My heart will go on. My heart will go on, like from Evita. No, no, my heart will no, go no, on. That, no, no, that's in Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a weird signal cross. A little bit, yeah, yeah. It's instead of somebody standing on a balcony. That's what it is. No, it's, it's not a weird signal cross because there's the balcony yeah. in image, Titanic, yeah. and then there's mm-hmm. the balcony. No, the bow in Titanic, right. and there's the balcony in mm-hmm. Evita. So okay, yeah. yeah. All right, glad we did the work there. And in South America, balconies are called the bow of the house. Okay. Journos, a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Stephen, let me ask you a question. Lay it on me, man. At any given time in your day or night, Mm -hmm. is there either a pop song or a commercial jingle running through your head. All the time. Right. I never find peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all walk around like that. Forever. Just in a state of just torture. Just always banging around with, you know, jingles from the 80s yeah. and the 90s. And just, they had some real catchy stuff in the 80s. Crazy. Yeah. I'll tell you what mine is, comes and goes all the time. Yeah. James Taylor, you've got a friend. Oh. When you're down. Yeah. When y'all down. I like that. When y'all down. It becomes like the Jaws. <laughs> it just sounds like it sounds like James Taylor is stalking me yeah. in the fathomless ocean. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, James Taylor is so menacing to you because uh, we're, today we're going to be talking about how music and sound are sometimes used as weapons. Yes, but I think the difference between what you're talking about and what I'm talking about mm-hmm. is mine is being weaponized from within. From within. And in this case, for a nice change of pace, somebody else is doing it. Yeah, that, that that's a nice change of pace. Eh, I don't know. Okay. In this case, we're talking about the nation of New Zealand. Beautiful New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It's an island nation. Very far away. Yes. And even though it is so far from so many of the things that we're comfortable with, um, it still has access to the internet. And so consequently, people in New Zealand learned about these protests that are going on in Canada in which truck drivers are basically barricading cities, locking them down in protest of, among other things, vaccine mandates Mm -hmm. and various onerous government restrictions. Government all up in their business. That's right. Mm -hmm. So some folks in New Zealand said, that sounds like a great idea. And now in New Zealand, in Wellington, capital city, there are protesters gathering as well. The police commission is adamant that de-escalation is still the best approach to resolving Wellington's growing anti-mandate protest. 800 people are occupying parliament grounds and the surrounding streets, with that number expected to grow. And as Imogen Wells reports... This whole thing about like shutting down businesses in the name of restrictions against businesses, come on. It's a very short-sighted response. Because you're like, the argument just evaporates. You're like... These, this is, you know, personal liberties and how are we supposed to run our businesses? And you're like, well, let's shut down business. If the last two years have proven to us anything, Stephen, <laughs> it's that we've also had a pandemic of new variants of irony. Oh, they're, man. They're everywhere. Yeah. So in this case, you have a bunch of protesters, they're gathering, mm-hmm. and the police in Wellington have decided they want to disperse these crowds. Okay. They are not going to shoot them with beanbags or tear gas like, you know, we would do in the United States. Instead, they're going to play music real loud. Real loud. Real loud. 
So news coverage has told the story of how authorities have been playing, among other things, Barry Manilow tunes, the Macarena, Mm -hmm. Baby Shark. Yeah. Oh, Baby Shark. That is one Mm -hmm. annoying freaking song. Yeah. No, I mean, that's crazy. And, And Barry Manilow, too. Like, that seems like pretty relaxing music. It's interesting that to disperse the crowds, they're playing this, like, kind of sultry love-making music. Yeah, you would think the outcome would be totally different. Yeah. So they got that on a loop. Then the demonstrators, who, again, mad about vaccine mandates, mm-hmm. they end up playing stuff like Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take It. Mm. So you just have warring DJs. It's like three in the morning at a party where some people are fighting over the YouTube playlist. That's exactly right. On top of all that, the musician James Blunt, responsible for, guilty mm. of, the uh, song guilty, You're Beautiful. Guilty of, yeah. Oh, guilty that's of, right. a, That's he a also, beautiful issue. Is that yes. that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The very same. But he has a sense of humor about it, so he tweets to the authorities in New Zealand, quote, give me a shout if Barry Manilow doesn't work. He's very self-effacing. It's funny. It, yeah. That made me like the guy. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got to know when you're living a pretty good life that you can afford to screw around. He also tweeted um, in response to the Joe Rogan controversy, quote, if Spotify doesn't immediately remove Joe Rogan, I will release new music onto the platform. So he's he's having a goof. It makes a bit of sense that James Blunt would actually want to jump into the fray here because he was actually in uh, the British military. Yeah, he grew up an army brat. And uh, he was commissioned into the lifeguards, which uh, are a uh, reconnaissance unit. And he was a captain. So he's basically just shifting his weapon of choice to his own dulcet tones. (laughs) Devastating earworm. Yeah. Having a good time. But at the same time, you know, New Zealand, of course, has been in the news throughout the pandemic as the country that sort of did it right, right? They did. They were very strict on their lockdowns and on their safety precautions and have currently about 22,300 cases total and total number of deaths, 53. Yeah. Now, what's remarkable about this too is that most of that, the big swell has come just since November, just since Omicron. Yeah. So you're seeing the surge now. Yeah. Consequently, the protests, all of this stuff really sort of exerting pressure on the government where they were doing so much so right for so long Mm. and now how are they going to regain control well gotta bust out the top 40 yeah i mean yeah music is a weapon yes yeah the reason that you and i got interested in this was because on the one hand it's ridiculous sort of adorable kind of disturbing Mm -hmm. part of the larger conversation about is the government right about things yeah are they wrong what do you do about protest what happens when protest for example shuts down urban core of major cities yeah but it also reminded us of all the other times that we'd heard where music was turned into a weapon throughout history yeah so many and you know what brandon i'd love to share a few with you i wish you would okay um well back Wait, in tw- let's have some music for this okay all right okay these examples vary in uh how dark they are so <laughs> There's going to be a bit of a different texture here. So buckle up. Yeah. So in 1989, U.S. Marines blared uh, Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up and Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses in order to oust Manuel Noriega, who'd hold himself up in the Vatican Embassy. 
there um, down in Panama. In 2004, U.S. forces played ACDC's Hell's Bells during the Siege of Fallujah. So sometime after 2006, U.S. interrogators at Guantanamo Bay uh, were known to play Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, We Are the Champions by Queen, The Barney Song, Kim by Eminem, uh, Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson, and the Meow Mix theme. They would play these songs while they tortured detainees. In 2013, uh, off the coast of Somalia, tanker ships would blast, once again, Britney Spears. In this case, uh, oops, I did it again. And once more, hit me, baby, one more time in order to scare off pirates. Then in 2014, Russian forces were blasting uh, propaganda across these loudspeakers uh, in this city in Ukraine. And in order to counter that, the Ukrainian military started blasting Cher. In 2018, after then-President Trump returned from a summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin, a former advisor to Hillary Clinton hired an 18-piece mariachi band to play in front of the White House beginning at 9.30 p.m. with the intent to disrupt his sleep. But this goes back a ways, Brandon. Back in 1836, General Santa Ana played a song called El De Guayo that basically told the enemy that they would either surrender or die by the sword. That happened in your homeland, Brandon, Texas. My hometown. Your hometown. San Antonio. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So does that song still get your goat? It haunts my dreams. Okay. It haunts my dreams. That in James Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I think of James Taylor as a Santa Ana assailing the Alamo of my mind. I guarantee you that's the first time that's been said. Yeah, and according to a fellow by the name of Ben Abel, who's a spokesman for what's called PSYOPs, or Psychological Operations, a government outfit that creates psychological operations, <laughs> he told a reporter at the St. Petersburg Times, quote, it's not the music so much as the sound. It's like throwing a smoke bomb. The aim is to disorient and confuse the enemy to gain a tactical advantage. So the idea here is that the command makes a decision to blast the area with sound, but then the individual soldiers in the field are the ones who get to actually, you know, choose the songs. They're pulling it from their own mini discs, CDs, yeah, uh, and ultimately their iPod Nanos. That's the only place left that people have a Nano. That's right. Yeah, weaponizing the Apple technology. So yeah, music is not the goal. Music is just the shape of the sound and the sound is supposed to be used to affect uh, people's spatial orientation yeah. uh, their coordination their balance to throw them off to freak them out and ultimately to scatter them so this idea of using music or sound really sound as a non-lethal weapon um, is perhaps most literally embodied in uh, the long-range acoustic device or LRAD which is this military technology which can produce essentially like a strip of sound uh, that can max out at 151 decibels uh, that you can hear it from 500 to 1,000 meters, okay? It's like a sound cannon, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and also to be clear, this is not only... The LRADs are not only used in war. They, they have been used domestically. They were present during the protests of the Republican National Convention in New York City in 2004. Weren't used. In 2009, however, uh, during protests at the G20 summit, 
in September of that year, they were used. This is what happened just moments ago to Brian as he was covering these demonstrations, these protests. We want to uh, inform you that this videotape is unedited. It's raw. Watch this. Wolf, this protest has shifted over several streets in Pittsburgh. The protesters going way off their planet. Um, and, and people get like hurt. You get uh, mild traumatic brain injuries, uh, permanent hearing loss, tinnitus, perforated eardrums, like all this, all this like really gnarly stuff, right? Um, so this is very, it's, it's weird kind of creepy technology, but to be clear, and I think it's probably because it's quote non-lethal, uh, it's very much in use. There are tons of examples of LRADs being used on American citizens. Yeah. Yeah. There's a flavor of this that we're, I think, more familiar with now, which is known as Havana Syndrome. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, which we've talked about. Uh, employees at the U.S. Embassy in Havana stared at a complaint of hearing weird sounds and then experiencing disorientation and all of these other ill effects. This was a condition that then spread around the world. There were somewhere upward of a thousand cases. And... Ever since this started a couple of years ago, there's been a real back and forth about whether this is psychosomatic, which I wrote about, or whether it's some kind of energy weapon. There's a new theory about the mysterious and debilitating symptoms reported by dozens of government workers. Some officials now suspect the so-called Havana syndrome could have been an unintended consequence of electronic intelligence gathering, which was then weaponized to intentionally cause harm. There have been energy weapons like microwave transmitters in development and potentially in use um, maybe since the 60s. Yeah. And so the thinking there is they're pointing these microwave transmitters at these office spaces and using them to activate listening devices. And potentially the side effect of that is all of this disorientation. So that's not exactly sound, uh, and it's not certainly proven that that's what's going on there. But when you think about using sound as a weapon, Havana syndrome is itself a kind of earworm that you yeah. can't help but talk about. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Maybe the reason why we can't not talk about any of this stuff is that it all just feels like futuristic. It feels like weird sci-fi warfare, right? Using sound, using microwaves, like all of that. It feels like a 70s version of the future, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. There's something very beige about it. There's something very <laughs> kind of bell bottoms. And they're going to kill you when you turn 30. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. They'll put you in a pod and shoot you into space. You're right. There's something about it that seems overly difficult and also kind of cheesy. Yeah. But then you scratch the surface and it's still like haunting, you know, like using the Barney song for torture is like some pretty dark stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's It really is the culmination of kind of American consumerism. Like. Oof. All the stuff that you love, we can also use that as a weapon. Oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah. But it's not all bad, right, Stephen? I mean, we know that music is also being used for good. There's a lot of emerging science and theories that are kind of coming out that are saying that sound has all these like physical, psychological healing properties. This is from a, an article in Psychology Today. Um, one theory is that the sound healing works uh, because it, has these tactile vibrational effects on the body um it can maybe stimulate these like touch fibers that could affect pain perception right because sound is this like vibration um there's also this whole emerging sort of youtube 
uh, trend about binaural beats or brain entertainment. And then that says that like listening to certain like sound frequencies can change your brain waves. It's really obvious and very clear that sound and music uh, both have these emotional qualities to them, right? That like listening to a song can cheer you up or make you sad. But to go that extra step to say like, no, this like actually can be physical medicine, I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. I have been wooed by the binaural beats. Oh, thing. yeah? Yeah, a little bit on Spotify and What's it like? On YouTube. What's it like? Tell me about it. It's just like ringing in your ears. Yeah. It's just like programmed tinnitus. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> different pitches. Did it work? No. No. Not really. I mean, it is sort of soothing <laughs> in a way. But what I have done is weaponized the great Hans Zimmer of movie composing Chris Nolan, Loud Crazy Noise fame. Yeah. Who did like an 84-minute ambient kind of track for the Headspace app. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to that to study and work. Oh, yeah. That works pretty well. It makes me feel epic. Epic. That is amazing. Yeah. I like to listen to uh, bird sounds, like birds in a forest, like but yeah. like pretty loud. Like I have like monitor speakers. <laughs> <laughs> Just a toady shrieking it's in not, your ears. You can really focus. Uh, but speaking of like nature sounds, have you ever heard about this album back in the 70s called uh, Plantasia? Uh-uh. Oh, it's so cool. So it's by this uh, guy named Mort Garson. It was first released in 1976. And it's like early electronic music. This dude made on his Moog synthesizer in Los Angeles. Um, and it's music for houseplants. It didn't really do that well at first, but of course there's like the cult following that you would imagine around it now. Uh, but you, you could only get the record if you bought a houseplant from a store in LA called Mother Earth or a Simmons mattress from a Sears outlet. Um, The second part I don't really get as much, but it's just like really cool, like kind of happy electronic music that's made for plants. Yeah, that sounds like it's connected to The Secret Life of Plants, which was a big hit book. And that was the thing that said, if you play Mozart for your plants, they'll grow better. And thus became a bit of a meme that, mm-hmm. that we've carried with us for decades now. Unfortunately, though, all of the conclusions that The Secret Life of Plants came to were subsequently debunked. Mm. So it turns out plants don't give a damn about Mozart. They're perfectly happy to listen to themselves grow, and they don't really care about your synthesizer or your zither uh. or your tuba. Speaking of things that live in the dirt, this yeah. whole idea of weaponizing music or using it for health or wellness reminded me of this concept about dirt. Okay. Tell me more. There was a big anthropologist and her name was Mary Douglas. And in the 20th century, she did a lot of really interesting studies on ideas of taboo Mm -hmm. and acceptability and things like this. And she came up with this theory about dirt, which was that it was matter out of place. Huh. So... If your shoes are on the floor, they're in the right place. But if you put your shoes on the table, that's considered dirt or dirty. It's matter out of place. Okay. So just this idea that there is a hierarchy of things, that everything has the place that it's supposed to be. And when you move it from that place, it sort of contaminates it. So it's all about context, right? All of these objects, all of these people, all of these things, all these events, they all exist in some kind of 
context with each other. So when you move something out of that context, it threatens the stability of the whole. So I think that's actually what kind of makes weaponizing music in that way particularly um, insidious, right? Because sure, it makes sense to be blasting this crazy death metal or anything like that. And okay, yeah, that's going to mess you up. But I feel like the darkest part there is playing like the Barney song, right? That is creepy because yeah. because it represents this happier time or this happier energy that is so out of place in those scenarios. And it just really turns it into this kind of grotesque, evil thing. Yeah, that's the thing that, that hits us so weird about that. It's, it is the idea that they're using the volume of noise to destabilize people. But it's also just the idea that music is not supposed to be in this place. So it's sort of been turned into dirt. It's been turned into something that's impure now. And so, too, the people who are protesting are also kind of matter out of place. They're also sort of dirt. They're not supposed to be protesting. They're supposed to be driving trucks across country. They're supposed to be obeying their place in society. But because they're not doing that, they're destabilizing the whole and so then the response from the authorities is to make music dirty to sort of solve the problem. So yeah. everything is in this weird state of flux. That's why it jumps out at us as being strange and disturbing and also kind of funny when James Blunt weighs in. Yeah. But the whole idea is like things are, have a place. And right now, so much of the last two years has been about us reckoning with the proper place of things. And I think this story, with all of its weird, sweet tunes, really sort of becomes the soundtrack for us trying to sort out where things belong. Yeah. Maybe the real way to disperse those crowds is just like play that time of your life uh, Green Day song. You know, just because it's Mm -hmm. like suddenly they all just start looking back on what a crazy ride it's been. Yeah. Yeah, everybody starts slow dancing. Yeah. There's a a montage of their high school years. Yeah. Or then like, you know, the people on the the trucks, they're sort of going by giving high fives and stuff like that. And then they all just kind of go home. That's a lovely image, Stephen. And Brandon. Stephen. I hope you have the time oh. of, your, <laughs> of your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, this has been Journos. Rock on, Brandon. I hope you had the time of your life. Journos is produced by Heather Eagle Ears Wilson. 